All men are created equal, but they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Fight, liberty, and the If liberty means anything at all, it means the right to tell people what they do not want to hear. Make America great again. The Big Mac. Welcome back to the Big Mig Show. I am your host, Lance Miliacho. Uh, my co-host, George Ballantine, uh, actually scaring me backstage. He seemed to be worried about something. <laughs> George, you all right, buddy? Are you good? I'm all right. I'm all right. You're good, man. I thought one of our mods blocked one of our um, real dedicated uh, patriots. Um... Oh, in the in the chat, and yeah. you, you were, that was that was freaking you out. We we obviously appreciate our mods. They're obviously dealing in the chat. Sometimes they're dealing with good stuff, bad stuff. They support us, and they work, and they do a great job. And we really appreciate all of them. I want to say that. I want to thank our subscribers and listeners. Without you guys, obviously, we'd just be George and I would just be talking to each other, which we do all the time anyway. But it wouldn't really be going anywhere. We wouldn't be trying to help the country. You know, as as you know, on the Big Big Show, it's tip of the spear. If liberty means anything at all, it means the right to tell people what they do not want here and you know that's our plan each and every single episode we want to try to bring you the receipts the proof the right guess we're gonna let you make the decision we're not gonna force feed your rhetoric like mainstream media we're gonna allow you to absorb the information being provided hopefully open up your eyes disseminate that information to your friends family loved ones even people your co-workers and anywhere else on social media feel free to use our content that what's well, that's what it's all about at this point share the content it's the edge of the knife right you have to be working with us to be the tip of the spear it's important and as you know we want to educate you and through that education unify the country that's the plan hopefully that's what we can do it's not easy they are dug in and they are fighting us tooth and nail they are trying to suppress the information, and you see it on every single platform that America first, patriotic Americans, conservatives, constitutionalists, they want to suppress it, right? They want us to worry about what Taylor Swift is wearing. They want to worry about who's dating who in the celebrity world, or better yet, let's do a, let's do a, uh, a reality show on somebody because they threw up a soft porn or a hardcore porn video that allegedly got leaked. That's not the kind of material we want to present on the big make. We don't have any interest in that because we don't think that's good for the country. I want to thank our sponsors, seaofmud.com. Patriotic Apparel for the whole family. These guys are great. As you know, they create. They have a lot of stuff on their site. Home of the Big Mig Swag. They sell beanies. They sell tumblers. They sell coffee cups and all sorts of other great gifts. It's a great place to buy anybody in your family a gift. I recommend you go over there. If you use all caps, the Big Mig, number one, we want you to use that because we want them to see that our subscriber base actually supports a non a woke company like Sea of Mud. And of course, all caps, the Big Mig will also get you 15% off. And then, of course, Beard Vet Coffee, Keurigs, the Stanley Competitor Cup, the Giant Cup. Even I don't have the nerve to fill this up with coffee. I already Thank drink God. so much coffee at this point. George is already worried that I'm drinking way too much coffee. I admit it. I am a caffeine addict. It's the only thing that I'm addicted to. Uh, but at the end of the day, maybe saving the country, that also I'm addicted to. <clears throat> 
So go over there, Beard Vet, support those guys. Beard Vet Tactical, you can buy your ammunition from these guys, which I always think is crazy. 12-ounce bag for $12.99. They have figured out the roasting process. It is downright delicious. I drink my coffee black, so I don't know if you guys like it that way. We appreciate that support and also the private people that support us. George, big man, why are you smiling over there? I'm there's smile, got to be some. I'm there's got to be some funny shit going on in the chat. I know no. you well enough to know that. It's not the chat. First, I got my uh, beard vet shirt on today, my swag. Second, is you're talking so fast. I'm. I don't know how many cups of coffee you had. I'm probably on number bro. nine. Breathe. I, I'm, breathe. On, I'm on number nine, bro. I can't help myself. Right, look, Wusai, <laughs> breathe. Let the, let the people digest what you're telling them, right, guys? I'm, I'm like. I try. I don't know. All right. So listen, tonight, Wait. very special guest, J. Michael Waller, author. Uh, and, I, and I've got to tell you, I think the timing on this interview couldn't be any better. Uh, you know how we feel about uh, the FBI, the CIA, the DOJ, and the weaponization of those organizations against the American people. I'm not okay with it. I think they violated their charters. I think they've gone way beyond the scope of anything that should be legal. J6 is a good enough example of that. But I have to tell you, this book, Big Intel, as you know, I have to, I read a lot of books on this show. I'm always looking for uh, good uh, hosts or guests to come on. He's nailed it. I mean, not only does he give you incredible historical background, which if you don't really understand the origins of the FBI, you know, leading back a lot of it to the OSS and World War One and what really happened with Hoover and the rest of it, you, you need that background to realize how we got here. And I think it's interesting, the process. It was a slow grind. I feel like even at the early stages, the FBI might not have been formed in what I would call uh, for the people of the United States. I know that was the cloak of it. But there are some early indications in this book that it was already politicized early on. They were spying on politicians early on at the behest of people within the government. And as you know, OSS, I think they were created during World War II, if I get my timing right. And of course, that's the early trappings of the CIA. You're going to learn about that. And of course, you, and for anybody that knows, while Bill Donovan, uh, obviously one of the top intelligence people in the United States history, I think. I don't know if there's anybody that's bigger than him. Everybody knows Hoover because I think he was better at uh, the political, uh, maybe the narrative on media game, seemed like it. So um, let me give you some background. He's, he's a national security professional, and I like this tagline, national security professional with unconventional views, which is not easy because you never know what political party you'll find a security advisors or analysts in. So he's a president of research and analytical company for private sector clients. He specializes in applied solutions for business defense, diplomatic, intelligence, and national security strategies. He has a PhD in international security affairs, 13 years as a graduate school, Annenberg professor, more than 30 years experience in international communications, ranging from journalism, public policy, education, public diplomacy, political warfare, and defense. Uh, I, and I grabbed that one, and I gotta tell you, he's a senior analyst for strategy at the Center for Security Policy in Washington, D.C. If you know those guys, they do some incredible work. He's also the president of Georgetown Research. And uh, he, for 13 years, he held the Walter and Leonore Annenberg Chair in International Communications at a graduate school of statecraft and international affairs in Washington. Uh, so listen, he's a founding editor. And I don't know if I'm going to get this right. Democratic Zatzia? I don't know. Boy, I probably butchered that. I mean, he's laughing backstage. So you know I screwed that one up. But you know what? I dare him to try to get my whole name right. We'll see how he does with that. 
throw that down. <laughs> yeah, he's saying no moss backstage. Uh, so uh, let me tell you, he's written a bunch of books. He's written a bunch of articles. I'm going to let him tell you about that because there's really no reason for me to do that part because obviously he knows his history even better than I do. But I have to say this. If you are thinking about buying a book to read, you're going on a trip or anything else, go over to Amazon now and find this book. I, you know, I don't always do that. You know, I've read a lot of, I've pretty much read everything that you see on these shelves and more. Uh, and I, I, there's many books of Roger Stone's you've heard me recommend, not because he's my friend, but because I believe in what he has to say. Uh, and I think his experience speaks for itself. But this is a book, Big Intel. Go over to Amazon, buy it, support him. He'll give you some links also where you can find more. George, let's bring in our guest. Yeah, let's. Welcome to the Big MIG Show, J. Michael Waller. Honored to have you here, sir. To have you, uh, good to be on your show, George and Lance. Yeah, I told you, I'm going with Dr. Waller. I, I always have to respect the PhD and go with the Dr. Waller. I, I always appreciate the amount of work it takes to get a PhD. Never did it myself, but at the end of the day, it obviously takes a real focus and you really have to uh, bring your A game. So I have to tell you, it's interesting. You uh, you have such a, a diverse background, and I would call intelligence, counterintelligence, analyst, uh, a lot of information. Can you give us? Can you just give us kind of a, a, a Cliff Notes version of A to Z of how you got into the uh, the vertical you're in? I got in as a 15 year old kid growing up in rural New Hampshire. And they were building a nuclear power plant in my state. And my social studies teacher, who was a Vietnik, uh, supported the enemy in Vietnam, uh, got got us involved. We were all going to get uh, you know radiation poisoning, and it was going to harm the fishing off the coast where I go with my grandpa and my dad. So I got tied into that. Long and long and short of it is, I was a dupe at 15 years old, and I quickly found out what the real agenda was because they brought me in a Maoist struggle session. But that was the greatest thing that ever happened to me because being a dupe of a communist movement allows you to see what it's like on the inside, see how easy it is for good, well-meaning people to get involved and really sucked into it, and then to learn how to fight them. Yeah, I think early on the experiences we have crapped us in one way or the other. I'm not, I haven't always been the guy I am now. I was a much different person. And I think a lot of it had to do with my upbringing. upbringing. You know, I grew up in Fordham Road in the Bronx, and my godfather was a capo for the Gambino crime family. So I saw it from kind of a different perspective of the world. And I think when you grow up in that environment, your, your, uh, your whole value system is different. So at the end of the day, I'm different now than I was then. Obviously, that led me to a lot of things that I did over the years. It, I look back now and think, why the hell did I get involved or why the hell did I do that? Even that, my time as a government contractor. And that'll tell you a lot because I was a private agency contractor. You know, Blackwater, Halliburton, Wackenhut, G4S, Sabre, to name a few. Uh, and, and, and an instructor, CQB and other tactics. But at the end of the day, you look back and you think to yourself, what the hell was I thinking? So I think those early lessons, uh, they, they obviously mold you one way or the other, but they molded you in an interesting way. You seem to have been a, a, even a very intellectual guy early on. Well, not really. I was more of a doer. I like doing stuff. So it was fun to go to these training sessions to sneak up through the salt marshes in a canoe with <laughs> and spray paint to vandalize a nuclear reactor containment dome that was under construction as a 15-year-old kid. You know, this is neat adventures. And, mm. But then going into it, now imagine being a college freshman, uh, the last, last few months of Jimmy Carter's presidency, and then voting for Ronald Reagan out of your dorm absentee, mm. and then being in Washington at that time, 
as a, somebody who was interested in politics and international affairs, and have Reagan come in, going to change everything, going to take down the Soviet Union and the Cold War. Mm -hmm. I really wanted to be part of that. And, uh, and so, so having been an intern in the Senate and, and meeting all the people, sort of just fall into these neat opportunities and relationships, but you're always doing stuff. So it's not simply sitting back and studying it, but really being in the middle of it, hopefully always for the right reasons. Uh, but seeing everything up close and seeing how the bad guys work against us and how a lot of good guys fall down trying to do the right thing. Yeah. You know, there's no doubt it's uh, it's interesting, although it's complex. When you look at our government from the period you're talking to to now, you know, my, my thought is always I wonder how much of this corruption we just weren't aware of. How much and really when the depth of corruption, when did it really start? You know, when, as I was looking at your book, I was thinking about, uh, you, you know, Operation Paperclip as an example. And I was wondering the impact that might have had from World War II on and what, what bringing those individuals in. Was there a political belief system? Because clearly uh, the stuff that you point out in the book, I think, is really interesting. But what let me ask you this. What motivated you? Now, obviously, there's always that that moment. What motivated you to write Big Intel? How, how did you go pick that? Because you said a few minutes ago backstage that it wasn't the book you thought you were writing to begin with. Having been in Washington for, for 40 years, and but never being part of the machine, never being part of the swamp, but being around it enough, bringing enough people inside, I finally had enough. And so toward the end of the Trump administration, when things were just not going well, uh, I just decided to go back to leave and, and not come back. And I went and I built my own house out in the woods. Uh, here it is. It's an old timber frame house built in the 1740s and I found it on Craigslist stored in a barn and I went and bought a piece of land and rebuilt it on my own and I thought you coward you're running away from this and I, I couldn't run away from this and so I thought people need to know the things I know I need to help the other people out there doing this and I've got you know kids and grandkids now I can't just leave so that was sort of the genesis of the book it helped that the editor of Regnery uh, invited me to write a book about the CIA, and we went back and forth. And I said it really has to be about the CIA and the FBI because the FBI is what affects us all day to day, and so that's how Big Intel was born out here in the woods. Big Intel. Yeah, that's 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 an incredible way that it came about. The interesting choice, you know. Myself, I was supposed to go to linguist school to learn Farsi, and uh, I I had a bad operation that I was in, and I got shot three times. I got left behind, and I decided that it was I, I needed to. <laughs> needed to make a change. Uh, I was lucky enough to walk my way out 10 clicks, <laughs> bandaged up with duct tape and dirty socks. Mm. So not one of my finer moments. But anyway, it, we I think we all have that epiphany moment, right? You have that moment when you decide that maybe you need to make a change for a number of reasons. In my case, I, I, I really recognize a lot of the corruption that I was, you know, participating in. Because uh, again, I think these operations that go on around the, uh, the world have kind of honed us because they got away with it and, and any uh, election that they were able to corrupt when the CIA got involved or any other agency, DIA or the DOD, had success in using anything from economic jackals or economic warfare, or whatever they do to destabilize governments, which is what they do, um, 
you know, you see that and you see it firsthand. It, it seems like maybe my, I think my morals and ethics were, uh, I was more liberal at that time, meaning that I was willing to go along with it without really any concern. But the consequences of it, you start seeing the consequences of those actions and the corruption, the epiphany corruption that we've actually hit here in the United States, this, this, where we're at right now, which is just incredible. It's pretty, pretty telling. You know, so let me ask you this. You really saw the FBI and you've analyzed them, you know, back to their origins. Do you think the FBI and the CIA, do you think the original creation, I mean, you know, they always say the best laid plans of mice and men, right? Did, do you think the creation at their, at their origins, do you think they were already flawed? Because sometimes I believe that. Or do you think they just, were they were, they were, they were in the right mindset when they started, and now they've just changed over the years to where they're at right now? All human institutions are flawed. So if we can accept that, then we can sort of understand that even the most well-meaning of things, creations end up being ruined or corrupted or used mm -hmm. for the wrong purposes. And actually, if you go back all the way to the American Revolution, there was so much corruption with the with the, the, the people who were financing our revolution and yes. interacting with the government and and making faulty gear and faulty goods. And you had even even. Uh, you know, faulty ships even. Like yeah. The Continental Congress itself discovered through its naval commission that the contractors building the ships were building vessels that weren't even going to, weren't even seaworthy. Mm -hmm. so, so, well, we got a really good republic out of it, at least for a long time. But So we've had these flaws from the beginning, so it sort of helps to have a historical perspective that, that this stuff has always been with us. And you go further back into the first of human history and you still find that same moral corruption. Yeah, I, you know, it's funny that you brought that up. A lot of times people think that all the founders and framers, all of them were, were you know, upright and trustworthy citizens of the United States in the early years, the 13 colonies. But there's lots of stories. If you start to really investigate about Benjamin Franklin, he seemed to amass a lot of uh, financial uh, assets during that time period. A lot of people say that he might have been spying for the French, spying for the Spanish. There were a lot of theories behind it. Who knew who he was really working with? I always wonder, uh, there are lots of stories about, uh, you know, different groups, Illuminati, Masons, Freemasons, that sort of thing. You know, when you investigated this book or over the years, how, how much do you think, that, you know, and obviously we hear about all these secret societies, right? We hear about the discussions that happen by the New World Order uh, type that happened at Davos, or you hear about Bohemian Grove. You hear these stories. How many of these individuals within the FBI CRD you feel like that maybe the, 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 the real puppet masters were uh, other groups besides the internal corruption or the internal issues in these agencies? It's really hard to say because secret societies are secret. Yeah, yeah, so hence the name, is that what, <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's easy, It's there's a lot of logic to it, but there's also a lot of people who can get off on tangents that where, you know, one plus one does not equal two, and it's difficult to follow, but there's certainly something to it, but you know, every, a lot of good human endeavors begin with secret conspiracies, the yeah. Sons of Liberty being one of them, the Twelve Apostles being twelve of them. So, I mean, it, it all yeah. depends on where you want to start in history. A lot of great things happen that have to happen in secret just by the nature of what they're doing because they're going to get crushed if they come, you know, become public too quickly. On the other hand, secrecy also begets all sorts of not just corruption of, of the present day, but even 
intergenerational corruption, dynastic corruption. Yeah, I think that's a really good, a really good point. So, obviously, on this show, we covered a lot that how dangerous our uh, government in Washington D.C. is. Uh, you know. I, we try to unite the country. We always believe that it, it's a uniparty in D.C. We'd be lucky if we found 20 or 30 honest uh, individuals within the executive branch of government. And out of 535, that's that's not a very good <laughs> it's not a very good number, uh, you know. And we see it, we hear it. Of course, with no consequences, no accountability, they just continue on. It's like the well, thieving bartender. Go ahead, George. You're you're mistaken because there is accountability and consequences. It's for if you're Republican or conservative. There is. Yeah, you mean if you're yeah, you mean if you're a Democrat or if yeah, for sure. No, yeah, no, I, I agree. With you. Consequences if you're a Republican, conservative, but not if you're a Democrat. So there is. Yeah. You know, well, they what, definitely have weaponized in that direction for sure. Let me ask you this: How dangerous do you think uh, these agencies were, and how dangerous do you think they are now? And if we were going to put a time frame, let's date it. Uh, let's go OSS and FBI, nineteen forty-five to like nineteen. 83 and then forward. Well, the OSS was created just to hunt down, just to fight the Nazis and, and the and the and the Imperial Japanese. That was its sole purpose. So it wasn't it wasn't harming us at all. It was only directed outward. And then right after World War II, it was abolished. President Truman just abolished it. He didn't even tell Wild Bill Donovan. He just closed it down. Right. So, so that was not there to to harm us, but what was harmful about it, and this is what was part of the genesis of the problem that what we're having today is, is that Donovan was so single-minded and focused in his objective of fighting our declared enemies with whom we were at war, that he brought in a lot of Communist Party members and Soviet agents into the OSS. Now, they had the common goal of defeating the Axis powers. But they had a longer-term goal, which was to reshape the world after the defeat of Hitler, the way Stalin wanted it reshaped. So they infiltrated our institutions. They infiltrated the State Department. When the OSS was shut down, they went throughout our diplomatic service and government bureaucracy. They went to the universities. One of the worst, George Marcuse, who was a Soviet Comintern asset, OSS man, and then went to set up the Frankfurt School at Columbia University in your old hometown. And that was the place that, that begat a lot of the critical theory, cultural Marxist theory, and wokeness that we have today. Yeah, there's obviously a transition, it, it, and we always talk about the elites. There was a quote I saved out of some of the information uh, that you provided, and, and, and I, I really think it it's so it's so nails is actually some of the thought process we're seeing in D.C. and it's about political correctness and it's by Angelo Code Villa, and uh, the imposition of P.C. says has no logical end because feeling better about oneself by confessing other people's sins, humiliating and hurting them is an addictive pleasure, the appetite for which grows with each satisfaction. The more fault I find in thee, the holier, in parentheses here, or at least the trendier I am than thou. The worse you are, the better I am, and the more power I should have over you. America's ruling class seems to have adopted the view that the rest of America should be treated as inmates in re-education camps. Powerful statement. Give me your thoughts on that. Very. Angelo Cotavilo was a real giant in the intelligence world. He was, he, was, uh, he was an outlier, 
he they hated him inside the apparatus because he was a truth teller. So the, the, the quote that you just gave of him is really typical Angelo. He called things as he saw them, but he did it with such a brilliant mind. So he was he you know native of Italy. He was um, he he was uh, he, he translated Antonio Gramsci, the, the Marxist thinker who was one of the other developers of critical theory and cultural Marxism. He also translated Machiavelli back the way Machiavelli wanted it said. I mean, because the, the other translators tried to correct what they saw as mistakes in Machiavelli's language. Angelo realized Machiavelli had all these plays on words and plays on punctuation to persuade you when you're reading it to believe the opposite of what you believed before you were reading it. And you're mm -hmm. just going along with his twisting your mind as you're going through. So, so the intelligence community couldn't stand Angelo, and he couldn't stand the intelligence community which is why he made such a great Senate staff for I first met him as a college kid, overseeing the CIA. At the same time, he was reporting to William Casey, who was combating the CIA from the top as director. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting. You know, I saw the, I saw the, the, the uh, interaction with Casey in, in your book, and it's interesting to see on a personal level when you start uh, looking at the history, right? And you, you kind of un understand how they got to the point, Casey, how he got to where he was at. I didn't really uh, know that much about Casey to begin with. Uh, and let me just check here. George might be reminding me about a break. Break, George, or no? Yeah. We good? Uh, a couple minutes you got if you might want. Have to take a quick, quick, but before we take a commercial break, I want to ask you this. In all this research you did, which obviously there was a tremendous amount of research because timeline research is always the most difficult, right? And trying to figure out how we got from point A to point Z. What, what, was the, what really surprised you? Was there anything that really you were like, son of a bitch, I had no idea, or wow, this is ridiculous? Yeah, there was quite a bit that was a surprise because I set out first just to write about what happened to the CIA and FBI under Obama and into the Trump administration and then the, the early Biden administration. But when you do this, you have to find the origins. You have to find the roots. So, so following what Diana West called a red thread, and you're tracing that thread back. Who were the ideological uh, custodians at each step in time? Who were they? Where were they? When? What were they thinking and what were they doing? And then you find going backwards, you find an uninterrupted chain of custody of, of what is now cultural Marxism going all the way back to a 1922 meeting over 100 years ago at the Marx-Engels Institute in Moscow with the chiefs of the Communist International, which is the new Soviet international apparatus to control all the communist parties around the world, mm -hmm. and the founder of the, what became the KGB, Felix Jerzinski, and they were there to mm -hmm. plan, say, we can't take over Europe and North America through a Bolshevik-type revolution. We're going to have to do something different. And the idea was to make people stop believing in their countries, in their religious faith, in their cultural traditions, in their families, and in themselves. And to have them fight against all of it and just relentlessly destroy everything by constantly questioning it and driving people apart and then against one another. And that's what the, the unbroken chain of custody went from that 1922 meeting all the way up to it, August 2011 Obama executive order imposing diversity, equity, and, and inclusion on the whole federal government. And we pulled up just the uh, title of that executive order. We're going to show that. But I think we'll take the break now. We're going to hold everybody there. When we come back, we're going to expose Obama's early plan. I believe it was in 2011 he passed this executive order. And this is where I believe the DEI 
attack on D.C. and our sensibilities started. I believe it really was the origination of it. I have my own reasons why I think that. It could be because of big Mike Obama. I'm not sure. I'm still questioning that, but we'll find out. Don't you guys go anywhere. We'll be right back. Stay tuned for more. for your toughest jobs or your most rugged excursions. Introducing Sea of Mud Apparel, your go-to destination for clothing that embodies the relentless spirit of rural America. We were blue collar before it was cool to say you work for a living. Let your clothes speak for you. Embrace quality, comfort, and the American way. Shop now at seaofmud.com. Patriots, listen up. It's time to wake up and smell the freedom. Beard Vet Coffee is here to fuel your American spirit. This isn't just coffee. It's a battle cry in a cup, a declaration of love for the land of the free and the home of the brave. Crafted by the hands of those who've walked the walk, talked the talk, and, yeah, grown the damn beard. Vet founded, vet focused, and beard operated. This is coffee with a mission, a purpose, and a testament to the unyielding American spirit. It's a tribute to the tireless resolve that courses through the veins of our great nation. This is the taste of victory, the flavor of freedom, the coffee that stands as firm as our belief in America's destiny to lead and never to kneel. Beard Vet Coffee is more than a brand. It's a legacy steeped in the principles that make America great. It's for those who stand with pride under the stars and stripes, who uphold the values that light the torch of liberty for the world to see. So, are you ready to supercharge your day the American way? Beard Vet Coffee is not just a choice. It's a declaration of independence from mediocre mornings. Bold, brave, unbound, brewed for the American patriot. Beard Vet Coffee, make your mornings great again. I'm excited to announce that we're having our biggest Christmas sale ever. You get our brand new six-piece My Towels for only $29.98. Or rejuvenate your bed with a MyPillow mattress topper as low as $99.99. Or how about MyPillow bed sheets for as low as $24.98. There's something for everyone. Duvets, quilts, down comforters, body pillows, bolster pillows, and so much more. Well, I know my pillow products make for the perfect Christmas gifts, so I'm going to extend my money-back guarantee until March 1st, 2024. So go to MyPillow.com now or call the number on your screen. Use your promo code to get huge discounts on all my pillow products. For example, you get our six-piece towels for only $29.98 or get your very own MyPillow bed sheets for as low as $24.98. It's our biggest Christmas sale ever. Get all your shopping done now while quantities last. Welcome to the next generation of warfare, psychological warfare. In modern conflict, the mind is a potent weapon. Discover General Michael T. Flynn's groundbreaking guide, The Citizen's Guide to Fifth Generation Warfare. 
unlock tactics, strategies, and the mindset to navigate this cognitive battlefield that we all find ourselves in. Equip yourself against manipulation and emerge unscathed. Unleash your potential. Order now. Welcome back to the Big Mig Show. Here we your hosts, Lance Miliaccio, George Ballantine, and our guest, J. Michael Waller, insider, psychologist. He's a doctor, too. I should say Dr. J. Michael Waller. My apologies. You, you earned that, definitely. Psychologist, He's a hard right? way, too. Yeah, no, the hard way. Psychological warfare, but not a psychologist. Oh. Yeah. Sort you of ever, weaponized you ever, psychology. You ever hear of... Um, bad guys outside our border. Oh my God, I forgot her name. Lance, what's the doctor's name? The other doctor? Dr. Halper Hayes. Yeah, Jan Halper Hayes. You ever hear of her? Yeah, I think he has. No? Uh, I've heard of her, but I don't know her. Okay. Yeah, she's great. Really interesting. Really interesting individual. Has a lot of information. uh, And she seems to have worked with all the people that I would assume who are really in the know. That actually probably really know the details of a lot of things going on behind the scenes. Like the Trump binder. I mean... The press has been loaded down, as usual, with all kinds of stuff that they're trying to hide. I'm surprised we haven't had a false flag event to make us look in the other direction so they can give us the David Copperfield and make the elephant disappear. Uh, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, and it may be coming yet. You know, George, can you throw up that piece of media for the executive order that we were just discussing before the break? I did not know about this executive order, but this clearly explains a lot. It establishes a timeline. So this was 2011, correct? Right. Correct. Okay. So this appears to be the start of DEI. And as we know, diversity, equity, and inclusion is the plan, uh, in my opinion, to weaken us from within I think it's a mental health crisis. Give me your thoughts on, uh, and I, I believe this is a, just an agenda of wokeness that I believe is set into place by Obama because I think most of what he did was about destroying our country from within. You, uh, you know, tell me what you think, Dr. Waller. Well, look at the people around him who did this and their intellectual development and their political development. You have, you have uh, Valerie Jarrett, who was in charge of all of this, coming from a Communist Party family. It was loyal to the Soviet Union, part of the Chicago political machine with, with a large element of Communist Party people in the Democrat Party. Now, it's not, again, it's not just a different, more radical point of view. These are people who were sworn to overthrow our constitutional government. They were loyal to the Soviet Union. They were under the command and control of the Soviet Union. So this is the, this is the place where Valerie Jarrett intellectually grew up. And where young Barry Obama in Hawaii intellectually grew up with this person he referred to in his first memoir as Frank, this nice guy who mentored him and taught him from age nine to when he went to college. But he purposely doesn't mention Frank's full name. And that's because Frank's full name was Frank Marshall Davis. who J. Edgar Hoover was watching like a hawk because Frank Marshall Davis was a Soviet agent of influence. Working wow. Working with promising members of the black community across the country, talent scouting to find who are going to be the next leaders. And where was Frank Marshall Davis from before he went to Hawaii? He was from Chicago. So, so when you see Obama reminiscing on his college experiences, saying that 
he read Marxism and hung out with Marxist professors as a way of picking up girls. Really? You know, he dug into reading Herbert Marcuse, that old commentary man who worked for the OSS and then was one of the founders of critical theory based out of Columbia University with, with the Frankfurt School. Obama is the nexus of all these worst of the worst elements, all that, that had an origin in Soviet subversion and that 1922 meeting in Moscow with the Comintern and the founder of the KGB. You know, in the book, you start, you really make a point of warning people about the dangers of critical theory. You know, and, I, and when I look at this DEI executive order, I always have to ask myself, what would, in, what, how does that improve the performance of the FBI or the CIA? Because at the end of the day, you would think an executive order or you would think a planned, uh, you know, operation that's going to make some changes within an agency. What you would be hoping for is that it's going to make the agency more effective, more successful in their mission. I don't see where DEI does any of that. And my, my thought always goes back to, I believe DEI, when you, when you really start looking at it, I, I can't tell you what causes somebody to uh, want to, uh, you know, be a, act like they're a cat or act like they're a woman when they're a man or act like they're a man when they're a woman. Or, or you know, and it doesn't matter whether you've got 15 pounds of piercings in your face, pink hair, and you're dancing around on TikTok in lingerie as a 75-year-old man. I, one of those was in the feed at X. I can't get it out. It's one of those ugly visions that's stuck in there that I'm still pissed off at Elon Musk for. <laughs> I don't even know why it was playing in the feed, but it was there. My point is, what the hell? How does any of this in critical theory, I would add that additionally, that seems, because I, I understand the concept. What do you think the dangers are for the American people when we look at this? They're extremely dangerous, and it's not a lifestyle question. If you can do your job and your lifestyle is not blackmailing you because you're in the closet or something, so you, you that's 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 okay in our society. You might not like it, but if you're collegial to each other and you're not pushing yourself on everybody else, that's understandable. And we need people of sort of different, uh, say, socio and, and, and ethnic profiles and, and uh, subcultures. In the FBI, if you're going to work in those different communities to fight crime or to fight spies or whatever else, you need that. So I get that part. The issue is when, when it's imposed on everybody as an ideology, as diversity, equity, and inclusion are. And you notice that executive order was diversity and inclusion. They added equity in later on, and, and they've since yeah. added accessibility. So they, it's like the LGBTQ plus 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 whatever other, they're all constantly expanding these things and you have to, <laughs> you must abide by them if you want to be promoted. Otherwise you're contributing to a toxic work environment, you're intolerant, you're poisoning the pool and, and you're not going to get promoted. So this is part of the promotion system. You must abide. Yeah, and we've heard that from Steve Gray, Kyle Serafin. You know, you have to go along with the, the, the top-down narrative, whether or not you agree to it, whether you not think it's not truthful. I mean, even the J6 pipe bomb, we've seen lots of information come out. Tony Saruga's been tracking that individual using cell phone data, and it looks like he went into the FDI building over and over and over again. He went into the naval base close by, which I imagine was EOD. I, you know, knowing what I know about EOD, I know those those pipe bombs were props. That was all a, a, a narrative because there's no way you don't plant something 17 hours before that has a non-digital or non-remote trigger. You're talking about a, a, a kitchen timer. That's 16 minutes. The one-hour timer. I, the one-hour kitchen timer hours. that I grew up with in my mom's kitchen in New York. 
I, I don't think that's going to, I mean, you could use a timer if you're going to be there within 60 minutes. I mean, there is a way to functionally make it work. I know that. But the point is, not 17 hours prior, there was no communication device. You could see the way they reacted to it. But they create these narratives. But my concern always is, I start to wonder, and you brought this up, how much of this, uh, you know, this creative, you know, false flag narrative, you know, just like they're talking about conservatives now. We're all we're all domestic terrorists, you know, we're all conspiracy theorists. Another term coined by the CIA, I think in 1964 or late 63, right after the assassination, because they had to coin something to solve their problems with the, the assassination of Kennedy. Foreign intelligence, foreign operations, foreign individuals, how many of them have their hooks? Because I always wonder, you know, how many dangles or dupes do they have within our own government? You know, because that's the, the corruptness makes them vulnerable to being targeted. They're willing to take the money. Joe Biden's proved it over and over again, as of many others. Dark money, foreign money, book deals. What do you think there for this wokeness agenda and critical theory and many other things? How much of it is coming from an outside influence pushing through their controlled ops? Well, you hit a lot on there. First, on the... On the corruption side, it's really shocking. And, and having back doing my dissertation research in Moscow during the Soviet collapse and talking to a lot of KGB generals and, and lower officers, they all said it's remarkable how cheap Americans are in terms of selling out their country. They'll do it for nothing. Uh, boy, that's a stab to the heart. Yeah. So you look at how the regime of whether it's the Chinese regime, Chinese Communist Party, the Iranian regime, the Qatar regime, all of these other regimes, how easily they're able to buy people within our bureaucracy and our academic and political and, and educational institutions, but also government officials, not necessarily paying them off when they're in government. They just hold the dangle so that the, the individuals in government are confident that once they leave government, they'll be able to cash in and it's all going to be legal. Yeah, it's it's a stab to the heart because we yeah, see it this, over and over again. But this gets back to your point that that uh, how did this this cultural Marxism penetrate our institutions? And it wasn't so much it wasn't financial corruption; it was moral corruption and moral cowardice. But you had on the one hand a hostile foreign regime, Soviet Union, setting up this active measures operation in the 1920s. It comes to the United States in the 1930s, infiltrates our intelligence services and State Department, and, and then our academic institutions, and they develop this critical theory to mainstream it in the 1960s, to give the, the new left, which was just all over the place. They didn't know what they were doing. They had no guiding strategy. It's like, we'll just support the enemy of the society that's repressing us and, and doing things we don't like. But giving them a theory and giving them something to bind them. So by the by the 1980s, 1980s, 1990s, most of the law schools in the country are teaching critical law theory, which is so the whole idea of critical theory, which is which is uh, which is the the organizational channel for cultural Marxism. It's taking the Marxism idea of the poor, oppressed poor, fighting against the wealthy few. To now it takes out the economic side because it's now the, the wealthy few are mostly on the left. Instead, it, it takes every grievance. So your parents are oppressing you, the adolescent, because they're making you do what you don't want to do. Your church is repressing you because of the morals that it's teaching. And, and your, your country is, is 
oppressing you because the founding fathers were all racists who had no redeeming value and they're just trying to create a, an aristocracy for themselves to mm. oppress everybody else. So everything is repressive and therefore everything must be overthrown. That's yeah. what critical theory is. So, so when this starts sneaking through the universities and into the institutions, it's no wonder that we have then law students who are brought up on critical law theory go into the Justice Department. Social studies or history uh, students go in to become intelligence officers or intelligence analysts and diplomats. So they go into government service the way they're going into journalism and art and ac academia and elsewhere. So it's no wonder that they're, they're flowing in on their own. But then they start organizing a cell structure like the old Communist Party did, a cellular, cellular structure of different grievance groups, identity-based groups, to agitate within their bureaucracy. So imagine you're having these things now in the CIA and the Justice Department and the FBI. They're not there now to serve the country. They think America is a racist country based on racist principles, and the whole thing ought to be just blown apart. But for them to do it, they can't overthrow the Constitution. They have to subvert it because it's now a living document, as critical law theory teaches us, and it's something that can be interpreted any way we want to. So they're interpreting it their way, but they've bound together. So they've permeated throughout throughout the, the, the entire government at the low levels and then climbing up the management, especially through the HR departments and the, and the general counsel's offices waiting for the day when someone like Barack Obama will come in and reach down from the top and pull them up to put them in control of the whole central nervous system of our intelligence and security apparatus. And that's what's happened here. That was the tipping point. But it wasn't a financial corruption. It was the moral weakness of everyone else to say no and to just continue to let this happen and never blow the whistle on it. You know, it's it's a slow boil. You know, it's the frog in the water. And it, I feel like it's pernicious. It just keeps crawling in that direction. And they're willing to take do it in, in small bites, right? We see it. Um, you know, it, and, 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 and I always want to go back. I always think, okay, well, what was the defining moment? You talk about in the book, you talk about foreign intelligence. And it was some stuff that you brought up that was even kind of, a, I guess, kind of upsetting. You know, even shocking, I guess. The OSS infiltration. Uh, in World War II by the Russians. And I always go back and I think to myself, well, is that what got this Marxist early onset? You, and you brought up some things related to that. Tell me your thoughts. Do you think, where do you think the most defining moment from the origins of the FBI and OSS, when do you think that real switch? Because when, when you said that, I started thinking about Operation Paperclip and all the, you know, the uh, Germans they brought in, whether they were scientists or otherwise. We know that the history that was provided for us, I, I don't know that I believe that uh, Adolf Hitler, uh, you know, committed suicide in that bunker. I think he ended up in Argentina. Uh, it's likely we've seen some documents that got leaked. We've seen some you know, uh, documentaries that talk about the number of Nazis that made their way on submarines and other, uh, you know, other boats down to Argentina. What are your thoughts? When do you think the defining, the real, like, son of a bitch, if we could have stopped this right here, we maybe could have made a difference? Yeah. Well, in the book, I, I try to focus on what I can show as fact and go mm -hmm. back to the original documentation or the original eyewitness. So I, I don't try to go out to... to um, look at these things where there's a lot of evidence pointing in certain directions, but we don't have concrete mm -hmm. facts. But the concrete facts we do have are that, that, that from the beginning of the OSS, the Soviets were penetrating us from, from top to bottom, mm -hmm. literally from the analyst level to the 
the right-hand man of Wild Bill Donham. They were working with people in the State Department and the Treasury Department and all sorts of other bureaucracies to make sure that Stalin, not the Allies, that Stalin won World War II. That's why that you have the whole Yalta conference to determine the outcome of World War II in 19, early 1945, right before FDR died. He and Churchill met with Stalin in Yalta, Russia. Mm-hmm. And the, the anti-communist liberals in the State Department, which were, there were many, were not allowed to be part of the planning and, and um, operation of the Yalta conference. That mm-hmm. was put in the hands of people like Alger Hiss, who was running the policy planning shop at the State Department, and who was a controlled agent of Stalin. And so Roosevelt, he'd lost his mental capabilities by that time. He was emaciated, you can see in the pictures. He, he couldn't really think anymore, and he had these communist agents around him deciding mm-hmm. whatever Stalin wanted, the United States would give him. And that's how we had the Cold War, was because of these secret agents inside subverting our system to get our decision makers are our presidents to hand things over to the Soviet Union. Yeah. That was really, that was one of the many tipping points in this whole equation. Yeah. And and there's lots of discussions. Some people, uh, I've read some reports and some paperwork from years ago. They talk about at some of those conferences and specifically that also, they were talking about the divisional dividing up the Nazi loot seemed to be one of the topics that included the art, you know, and the gold and everything else the Nazis had been pillaging that they'd hidden in tunnels and all sorts of other places, hoping they could go back and recover it. Some of it never got recovered. Some people believe that it went to Argentina and other locations where they had escaped, that obviously there were successful escapes by Nazis. Um, you know, and, and that leads me to where you look at the schooling system now, right? You take these people, how many of them penetrated, you know, the big schools, Harvard, MIT, Penn, Columbia, because the insanity on those uh, on those campuses is unbelievable. These people are just absolutely out of their minds with some of the stuff they post online, whether it's the professors or whether it's the students and their belief systems, you know, to the point that most of the time when I, I, I see this rhetoric, it comes through feeds because we're obviously always on social media and we're always looking and investigating. We're online, George and I, we're doing a lot of looking for the next story, right? Whether we're looking at Deagle.com for population, you know, uh, population reductions that they're predicting or otherwise. My point is, I see this and they're starting, and I believe that TikTok's even part of this. George, I want you to comment on this, man, because we and I have had this discussion a lot. Tell me your thoughts, George, first. Don't you think that, the, that, our, that our school systems are under attack because that's part of the big game plan? Do you think that, George? Because I Mom, think so. And then we're going to ask see. Dr. They Waller. Let, they let all these um, porns in the school, porn, the pornography books, drag time, yeah. um, dra- was it drag queen yeah. story time uh, hour? I mean, yeah, and, all they want to do it? is so confusion. Dildo, wait, wait, dildo butt monkey story time. There was that famous one. I'm where not they pulling that monkey guy. back up to I'm not putting him yeah. on air. No. That's bad for eyes. <laughs> Dr. Waller, did you see the dildo monkey? Lance. I mean, it was like a rainbow monkey. Ridiculous. The stupidest it's thing you could ever have in there. And they had it for reading time in the libraries. Go ahead, George. No, no. <laughs> I just don't want to hear the monkey thing, bro. It's so, just ridiculous, right? I mean, they all they want to do is t- they want they're brainwashing the kids because kids are from a, <laughs> from a young age till probably probably um eighteen seventeen their minds can still be manipulated impressionable, yeah, impressionable. Yeah. So they just want to control and that want them to think the way they think and what they do and it's just it's just causing more division in this country. They want to create a mess. I mean. 
Look at our, our own. Not surprising, by the way. The government made up another fake Russian story that um, they had um, capabilities with nukes in space. That was all made up. Why? Because they couldn't get their money for Ukraine. So they want to make so fear into people. It's the same thing with um, DEI. There's no, there's no reason for it. I mean, listen, it should all be outlawed. That's it. 100%. There's no sharing bathrooms with boys and girls and none of that. God forbid, if I had a daughter, oh my God. I, first of all, she probably she wouldn't go to that school. I'll pull her out. But, you know, God help them teachers. That's all I'd have to say. Forget it. Yeah, there's many interactions where George and I, I mean, I think I'd probably, I'm thankful that my daughter's grown. I don't know how much of this she was impacted by, but do you think this is, I mean, it doesn't think, how strongly do you believe that this is part of the operation, that part of their operation, and this is a slow call, call, you know, slow cause and effect plan to destroy our education system? Because the government's doing a lousy job. We already know that the Department of Education is a complete, you know, an agency that should be disbanded. Go ahead. Well, if you look at, again, trace back to the roots of it, it's before any of us was ever born. In 1917, there was a Bolshevik regime in Hungary, and the culture minister named Georgi Lukács started, he was the architect of a red terror to murder everyone who opposed him. Find people like like you, people like me, people like your, your viewers, find them, hunt them down, and execute them. And these were the families fighting back against what this regime was doing because one of his top priorities in that regime was to sexualize young children. Tear them away from their families to say, those aren't your children, those are all of our children. Now, fortunately, that regime was overthrown quickly, but Georgi Lukács was at that 1922 meeting in Moscow, set up what became the Frankfurt School that brought us critical theory. Now, when when the Frankfurt School had to flee Germany, they were based in Frankfurt, Germany. When they had to flee Germany, many of them, including Herbert Marcuse, came to America. And what did they do when they settled at Columbia University? One of the main schools at Columbia University was the Teachers College, to teach the teachers. So their goal was, if we can teach as many teachers as we can, the poorly paid teachers generally, who have a mission in life to educate kids, and those teachers want the most modern methods possible to do the best job teaching they haven't bought into the ideology they've been fooled into this this whole idea of what became what we have now but it started very gradually who else did they work with a guy named john dewey also in new york head of an organization called the national teachers association the national education association pardon me nea Dewey was not a communist but they brought him to moscow he got a tour of the Soviet Union, and he wrote a six-page series in the New Republic praising Stalin's education system and saying that this is what we need to adapt for American kids. Now, this is the founder of today's teachers' union, which was the union that pressured Jimmy Carter to establish the Department of Education in the first place and do what? Take education out of the control of the states and the communities and put it under central government control and make it untouchable. And then to control how the states and localities taught their kids because all the money was coming from Washington now, so much of it was, to educate the kids. So this was something that stemmed all from the same thing. What we see in public education, like we see in, at Disney, or what we see in entertainment, or the, in our military, it's, it's happening behind the scenes in the CIA and the FBI to be weaponized against us, but we just don't see it there. But it's all part of the same rainbow continuum. You know, um, 
several times in Big Intel, you start talking about Obama's comments. And Obama, I'll say this, many times we saw him telegraphing where he was really at, what he really thought, whether he wouldn't, uh, you know, uh, hold his hand over his heart for the for the Pledge of Allegiance or you saw his interaction. It didn't matter what event he was at. He and Big Mike, I like to refer to Michelle as Big Mike. I can't help myself. There's been lots of claims of her being in a transgender, the homosexuality, uh, Obama. There's pictures that have floated around. At this point, I always question, you know, what's AI, what isn't? Is it? Is there any truth to the stories about Michelle? Maybe there is, maybe there isn't. There, a lot of people claim there's no pictures of her ever being pregnant, so people question or not whether or not those are really her children. I don't know if it's true. I heard the stories about Obama, you know, Project Renegade, which was his call sign even as President of the United States. It was Renegade. Um, but in, in, in Big Intel, you talk about his comments about fundamentally transforming America. You think that was a tipping point? And do you think he deliberately injected DEI and wokeness to destroy the country? Was that part of his big Marxist plan? And was he, was he figuring that if I start uh, here on uh, 2011 with this executive order, I can destroy the agencies by weakening them? Because in my opinion, that's what DEI does. All it does is weaken all the different agencies and you know our, our military readiness it's a weakening tool so go ahead sure yeah of course he came in to do this this is what he he was completely indoctrinated with since he was a boy with frank marshall davis as one of his mentors he at, at when he was studying herbert marcuse and he talked about this making a study of that it's a it's a to say that that's one of your formative things in college that helped shape your worldview, to join the Valerie Jarrett Communist Party element of the Chicago political machine, that's where she introduced him to Michelle Robinson, who Obama himself calls Mike. And then um, he, he does what? He gets mentored as a community organizer and a young political candidate by who? Bernadine Dorn. And her husband, who were weather underground terrorists. But then they got laundered as professors, and it was okay. But they, they both <laughs> mentored him all the way up through when he was elected to the United States Senate. And then they, they didn't want to tag along with him anymore when he was running for president because they had done their job. So he, he, remember, he, he was, when, other, when American kids were studying what was left to study, you know, it was already being purged out of the American founding and American founding principles and, and mm -hmm. you know, the beginnings of our country. He was at a madrasa in Indonesia and then goes back to Hawaii to become mentored by a Communist Party member and others. So he had no formation in his life of loyalty to America and what American founding principles were about. And he came in with this special identity of his own that gravitated toward America being a racist, oppressive society that had to be subverted. So diversity, equity, and inclusion come straight out of the Frankfurt School and critical theory and Herbert Marcuse. So Obama went and surrounded himself with people like that who shared the same vision and who would implement it. Do you think that makes him responsible for imposing wokeness on these intelligence communities and these intelligence agencies? His signature's on the document that you just showed a few minutes ago. Cool. So you believe he's the kingpin of the destruction of our agencies the way that they're operating nowadays with this force-fed rhetoric? You think it's him? Yeah. They, they were already had, they already had you know, a fertile ground in there with a lot of the woke 
younger people being brought in after 9-11 who like the techies brought in from San Francisco with their San Francisco values and then just other you know new college grads who had been studied under an increasingly radicalized university system so that was normal so that fertile ground was already there because you can't impose wokeness unless you have people on the inside willing to do it and that's what those cell groups were in the CIA they were called agency resource groups mm. in the FBI they're called employee res resource groups and they they're the grievance groups and they meet together and they figure they're not figuring out how to make the fbi and the cia work better they're thinking how can we advance our agenda and the way to advance them through the management and to bring them up through the whole nervous system to put it under control is dei because that provides the, the the excuse to bring the people from these different racial and identity grievance groups and promote them at the expense of everybody else you know, George and I talk about a lot about the Uniparty, and I'm always curious as to how we always wonder, does does Washington, D.C. know all the details, right? Does Congress, have they been in on all of this? Are they aware of all of it? Are they part of it? Are the congressional members, we know that many of them are corrupted. We've seen it through the insider trading and otherwise. We've seen lots of things that obviously if we, you and I did it, we'd be sitting at the Supermax 23 and a half hour lockdown. Um but in this case, I'm always curious. And George, you know, let me ask you this, George. You know this. What do you think, George? I want to ask your opinion. Do you think that Congress is aware of all this? They're part of it? Because I see the financial institutions, they're forcing it, right? We've seen it with Budweiser. We've seen it with Ford Motor Credit. We've seen it with Apple. We've seen what they've tried to do to Elon Musk, George. Your thoughts. How much do you think that Congress is involved in the DEI operation, is what I'm going to call it? Well, Lance, I'm going to quote a very smart man on this one. If everything was exposed in D.C., 95% of it would fall, Julian Assange. I mean, how do they not know? Really, how can they not know what's going on? And if they don't know what's going on, then they shouldn't be in Congress. I mean, because, listen, none of them speak up about it. No one's got the guts or the, um, they're worried about what everybody else is going to think or say. Because just look at our J6 defendants. No Republicans are doing anything about it. They're just still sitting in prison for nothing, for BS. Nothing's being done. I mean, Georgia just, you know, they're getting on Fannie Willis. She should be getting um, expelled out of there. We can't get Biden out. I mean, well, she should be indicted. I mean, her the campaign finance law she violated by taking money out of her campaign that she actually acknowledged on the record. That's an FEC violation. You would think that she would immediately be indicted on that. I think it's unlikely. But, Doc, uh, look, you want to know why this country screwed up, right? Because they pick people like her. And put them in these type of positions. And we have this not only there, it's all over the country. But this is why this country's messed That's part of the reason why this country's messed up. But who's who's behind a lot of this? Who's behind a lot of DEI? It's overseas money, Soros money. You know Soros is behind a lot of this crap. I mean, how many um, prosecutors did he um, help get in office? District attorneys, attorney generals. Well, he's taking control of 226 radio stations right now with well, his $400 million I can, investment. I can tell in you Odyssey. this. I can tell you I this. Mean, he will never, radio ever, station. ever take control of the big MIG show. Hell <laughs> exactly. no. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not a fan. He'd be on the international terrorist list if I was president day one. I'd I include Klaus Schwab, Bill Gates, Mark Zuckerberg, Anthony Fauci. My list would be fairly extensive, and I would execute relatively quickly my actions against them because it would allow me to engage them militarily once they were on the terrorist watch list. It's complicated. Your thoughts. Here's the deal. You know, Doc, everybody's going to ask this. 
You think that, because look at this gigantic new building the FBI wants to build. And even the comments when, when Trump mentioned, oh, the, the big new building you want to build, everybody went ballistic. Nobody wants a bigger FBI. They're already too big. Nobody wants a bigger IRS. Nobody wants a bigger CIA. The more the corruption comes out. And, and before I ask you this, this get the, to the bottom of this question, George, would you throw up that document on, on Obama yeah. showing how he used our intelligence uh, uh, organizations and the influence of the United States to spy on American citizens and political opponents. But I just want to add something real quick, what you said. Why would we want to give the FBI a new building hmm. when they're so corrupt? They don't deserve that. Corrupt? No. I, I agree with you. At the end of the day, there's still so you many re- stories. You want to reward them with a new building, new te- all these new stuff in there? Twice the size, George. It's twice the size so of the old facility. Twice, twice, that means oh, twice the more, staff. Much, more, much bigger. Much, all right, so, twice the size of the yeah. Pentagon. All right, so what I, well, let's just say, look at twice the size. That means twice more yeah. infiltration on us, on conservatives. No way. Hell no. If they did it to the Democrats, I'd still say no, because they shouldn't do it to anybody. I just want everybody yeah. to know that. I don't want them doing this to nobody. Unless it's warranted yeah, you fair, broke the law, then go after them. Good. But no. I'm going to put this up. Ready? Yeah, we're ready. We're ready. <laughs> you want to read it? It's tough to read, so I can read it, though. Yeah, go ahead and read the sections there. <sighs> I don't know. I don't know who Circle is. Anyway, on August 28, 2016, it looks like GCA headquarters, CSL filed it for permission to execute Project Folsom. Mm-hmm. At the request of the U.S. president, and that's Obama right there, the president, seeking intelligence gathering into the Trump organization and Donald J. Trump. I can't read the, the red there. I mean, that's that's just enough right there. On the bottom, it, it, I'll read, it's I, enough. I'm going to read the bottom one, though, too, because it's circled. U.S. National Security Advisor Rice has requested that we continue our surveillance during the transition period as internal U.S. intelligence is potentially compromised by the incoming Trump administration. Mm. <sighs> um, now, that would be illegal. That would be a misuse just, of government influence and government power. There's, there's a number of statutes. I need to add yeah. something to this. So I just yeah. want every Demo- every person to know this. You all came after Trump with this BS, fake indictments here and there, and I don't want to hear that we can't go after Obama or Clintons or anybody because now it's fair game. And they're, they're, they made a mistake. They made a big mistake because you have proof right here to put Obama in Gitmo and and Susan Rice and where, the whole administration and the fifty one intels. It's treason. Oh, come on. And then I'm gonna I'm gonna flip to you, Doctor Waller. After I read this, this is a statement. What's a penalty for treason, Lance? What's a penalty for treason? You know, you know my plan. At the end of the day, I'm looking for the most excessive sentence rather than verbalize it. I'll let people go look it up for themselves on Google. Because at the end of the day, if you commit treason against United States citizens, as far as I'm concerned, especially in a position that you have been placed by the American people to help the country and put America first, then I believe you should face the dire consequences of what the maximum sentence is. Because a misuse of government power and and taking advantage of the American people like that is absolutely the worst thing I can think of. You haven't stooped any lower than that. I believe Obama is 100% guilty, as is Hillary Clinton and many others, Susan Rice. But you mentioned the Patriot Act and the predatory American security state is born manufacturing domestic threats. 
That's a powerful statement when you tie it into this story we just you know, did with here with Obama. Give me your kind of an overview on this, and how do we fix this? Is it fixable? It is fixable. The Patriot Act was was enacted after 9-11 in the course of centralizing the FBI, of centralizing the whole intelligence community, of centralizing disparate security agencies under one sweeping department of Homeland Security, and a legal basis for them to operate. So they created a series of laws, one of which was the USA Patriot Act. The thing is, the Patriot Act was so draconian in a time of emergency, right after 9-11, where you know, almost everybody in Congress was behind it, that the lawmakers themselves and President Bush knew enough to make the law expire after a few years because it was so dangerous. Well, what happened instead? The FBI and the military and the CIA and, and everyone else saying, let's renew the Patriot Act because we need it so much. So then it became, Congress would just automatically renew it without any debate. The time after time after time. So we're stuck with that. And it's as long as we have these laws that make things that were so dangerous to our Constitution, make them legal, and to cement them into our whole national security community now, that's a real danger. It, sh it shouldn't be a big deal to repeal the Patriot Act. And let's, let's save certain elements that don't affect American citizens, that just go after the jihadis or the Chinese communists or somebody else. There are elements of the act that are okay, that are okay I think most Americans can agree with, but, but by and large, when you have such a dangerous law, that now your banks are required to inform on you. You know, it's part of the law, and all this stuff now, it, it, you're seeing mission creep constantly to expand what the law might mean or should mean or how it can be adapted. So the first thing is you need a president who gets it, and you need a Congress who supports it to repeal these laws. Now, right now, you can't even get the, the, the Republican House of Representatives to not approve certain uh, legislation and to defund certain things, or even to defund DEI. They, they, they tried to do it last year, but they couldn't even get a majority among... Republicans to do it. You know, that's a very pragmatic position. Of course, that's the smart position, right? You would think that that would be obvious. Uh, I, you know, I don't know if it is. It, when they talk about increasing any more of this surveillance state, it makes me cringe. Because again, I think the people that are in charge of it, that's the scary part, right? We, we've talked to Dennis Montgomery, uh, and if, if you know anything about him, he, he created the hammer supercomputer and the hammer exploit shortly thereafter 9-11 it was used to surveil the united states it was obviously the most sophisticated foreign surveillance system it's all declassified now so we can talk about it but it basically you take any exploit you stick it into the hammer supercomputer and it kind of put the, the program on steroids it didn't matter what it was echelon carnivore or uh solar winds any of those operations and um we, they, they, we talk about uh, you know, back channels where uh, Obama had a private channel available to use the hammer su supercomputer for surveillance that had been created. And we, we look at that security state, you know, and you have to ask yourself, well, if they're, if they're operating like that, where they believe there are, there are any consequences, and that's my big thing. Sovereign immunity has been one of the most dangerous things for the United States because they hide behind it so often that they can act like, whether it's in uh, the, the Department of Justice, whether you're in a federal court, or, you know, they, this whole harmless umbrella of relief. 
I don't think it can be left in place. So I guess along with the fixing, what do you think has to happen for the steps? If the FBI can't be fixed, do we dissolve it? If the CIA is going to act like a rogue agency that believes they can, you know, sell drugs, you know, heroin, like we know they did in Afghanistan, we've seen all the connections and why we stayed in Afghanistan for as long as we did. If you look at all that, how do you, because remember this, I always believe this. If, if you take a person like myself included, and you, and you kind of groom them along in a way, allowing them to get away with something or allow them, teaching them a process, that's what's happened, right? They've been groomed. We're talking about the schooling system on up, you know, and I don't even know, I don't, I don't know what all training you did in psychological operations. I know you did time out at uh, John F. Kennedy Special Warfare Center in school at Fort Bragg. And I don't know what, what I don't know where to have that curriculum, if they gave you curriculum you had to give. But you look at this method of how these people are created, I don't know if they're fixable. You know, when you take somebody that's that unethical, that has no morals or any integrity, their moral fiber is so compromised, they don't have a moral compass. How do you take those individuals and process them out unless you just flat out fire them? Because the ineffective nature of the people in D.C., they, they suck at their fucking jobs. I mean, if they were working for a normal business, they, get they, they wouldn't make it 15 minutes in one of my businesses. I'd be like, you're freaking out of here. I, you just wouldn't. And I see that. It doesn't matter whether we even talk about their infiltration into Facebook or X. It's complex, right? I don't think these people it's are really fixable. It's really complex. Well, yeah. Well, imagine we need a counterintelligence service. 100%. Of all the bad but guys. do we need this one? That's my well, question. But then where do we get a new one? With what I wonder if we don't have to create it from scratch, because if you take, you, you look at what happened here, right? We see this infiltration that's occurred at the highest levels, and we may be able to root them all out. If, if we're lucky enough to get Trump in there, not because I think he's the best all of all choices, he's the only choice that I think isn't corrupted, because the enemy of my enemy is my friend. When you look at these individuals in D.C., neither party wants him in there. And George and I, this is something we talk about constantly. They hate him for the reason that they can't control him. But So what are they doing? They're putting him in lawfare. Lawfare has become a weaponization. Lifetime appointments is a weapon. These judges think they're impervious. Yeah. So what do they do? Well, they hand lifetime down... Lifetime appointments for Justice Department lawyers. Yeah. Career civil service lawyers coming out of these critical law theory law schools, implementing their critical theory agendas on all of us by weaponizing government against us, by grinding us down. IRS, you know, you name the agency. Yeah, 86,000 new agents for, yeah. to work for, and we know what the IRS is. We know it's a collection arm for the Federal Reserve Bank that's a privately controlled institution. The ports, docks, and fees and uh, that, that, that come in from our ports is really what runs the country. The taxation is to pay this ridiculous amount of interest so the, the Federal Reserve can print money at 8 or 10 cents a bill, charge us interest on the money, and it's a fiat currency. It's just unbelievable to me that we continue down this road, but how do you take these people you know, what are we going to do? Are we going to brainwash them back into service? Because I think at this point, how do you take a person that's that bad and fix them? Well, you get the central nervous system first. Yeah. I think you just cut off the top and you can just put new heads in there. Then you end up putting bad <laughs> heads in there. Right? You let the CIA run itself with, with Gina Haspel, who was part of the whole crossfire hurricane. 100%. And then he put in James Comey. Yeah. No, 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 Christopher Ray. Uh, when when Christopher Ray is just a, uh, you know, a, 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 he's really a milk toast guy. He's not a woke. Brennan guy. Clapper, he's just a Beltway insider. Yeah. Who's going to do what the woke management of the FBI wants yeah. him to do? 
No, Brennan is an ideologue. He was he was uh, he was Obama's CIA director, and and Clapper, James Clapper, is an ideologue. They know exactly what they're doing. I mean, imagine CIA CIA director Brennan Brennan when he first went into the CIA just a couple years before, three years before, he voted for the Communist Party as president of the United States. So he voted for a Soviet agent to run our country, <laughs> and then three years later, the CIA hires him. And he rises all the way to the top. George, I know you got some comments here. You probably have some questions. No, I'm just nothing in the chat. Nothing. Oh, they like his. A lot of ladies like your voice, Doc. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Hopefully, hopefully they like the education he's giving us, because uh, obviously there's a lot of information to disseminate. We're going to have to have you back on. This is we could go on and on here because I think this is the situation we're in. But the fix is the hard part. You know, my problem is, is that many people behind the scenes are crying 1776 Lance. because at the end of the day, they, they're wondering what, what, sorry, George. No, no, no. Okay. Finish. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm they're sorry. just wondering whether or not our government is fixable at this point because of the corruption, because if, and I think this is what's happening more and more and more because people see it. You see that document come out on Obama. You've seen the information on uh, the gain of function research, you know, and it appears that the, the pandemic was really a pandemic. There's a lot of theories about it. You see the documents coming out. You see the proof of the multiple accounts, multiple identities, and the nine individuals in the Biden family uh, that, that had access and looked like they were making lots of money using Hunter as their key man. And then obviously it was filtered down. There's lots of accounts. There's lots of questions. There's checks. Uh, the, the classified documents case. Trump has a handful of declassified documents. They throw some classified folders in there that aren't part of the, the trove they're claiming. I believe they're looking for the binder. We know this binder is an issue for them on this spying operation. They get a walk. The dirty 51 plus 8. They get a walk. Michael Weiner's laptop doesn't go anywhere. Epstein files, the Epstein laptop, the Epstein hard drives, and all the printed copies. We have celebrities, government official, corporate executives, and it looks like the FBI and other agencies have back-pocketed that information so they can continue the extortion and blackmail operation that was the Epstein island, Epstein multiple uh, residential location. It looks like it was a Mossad operation because most of the intelligence information, most of the intelligence gathering equipment here, the security cameras and audio, were driven by Israeli programs that were written by Israeli intelligence, the Mossad. So, and we know that, uh, you know, we know that uh, uh, she had a direct connection through her father to Israeli intelligence. We know Ghislaine Maxwell, she was connected. So you see all this, right? And it just keeps coming out. Of course, they want to claim, you know, you're, um, you're a conspiracy theorist and I'm a conspiracy theorist and there's nothing to worry about and the border's safe and don't worry, we're fantastic. BRICS is nothing to worry about. None of this matters. <laughs> That's the problem, right? The American people, they, this rhetoric they've been getting force-fed, and I don't think they can control the onslaught. I always wonder why they haven't already taken down the Internet, that they haven't had this giant, you know, uh, black swan event, because that's the problem. There, there's so much information now that many people aren't buying their bullshit anymore. That's my point. You think, what's the next step? And then I'm going to let you get, tell people where you can, they can find you on social media, how they can buy your book. Maybe you're, maybe a little tidbit on what the next book is that's coming out or what you think it's going to be. I know you can't predict where it's going to end up, maybe where it's starting. Kind of give us a fill-in. And maybe if you have any speaking engagements coming up or anything else, give us that shameless plug period here right after you answer my question. Okay. 
Well, you've asked, you've asked a really complex question, and we could go on yeah. for a very long time and still never barely speak. That's why we have to have you back on. Sure, sure, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. But the, the fact is, though, that most bureaucracies are made up of people who will just do what they're told. They just want to make it through the day, just collect their paycheck, just do their mm -hmm. job. A lot of them are mission-oriented. Uh, they want to get their promotion. So as long as you have that, you do have something to work with, especially among the competent ones. You just need a lot of leadership and need to rip out that nerve center. Mm. I think the next president should really divide the FBI into a, a bunch of different pieces so that we still have a counterintelligence service. We still have guys fighting child trafficking and, and all these other you know, federal crimes uh, that, that we need a federal service for that kind of work. We just don't need the FBI doing it. Mm -hmm. So then the FBI is really just a cool brand name, but it's really become the Bud Light of law enforcement. Well, you can buy one of those cups I, I, down in the gift store. We got we got <laughs> more citizens doing more to fight child trafficking than our government has. Yeah, yeah so. you even have like Steve Friend. You had him on, right? Uh, yeah, Steve's Florida. great. They pulled him off child trafficking cases to make yeah. him join a SWAT team to arrest people accused of misdemeanors. Yeah. The, the J6 moms and teachers that walked around handing out cookies and sandwiches at J6, those we got to be worried about them. You know, they're dangerous. I wouldn't hate to think they're handing out any cookies that have raisins in them and they don't tell us. Can't have that. Yeah. But, but the point is that we do have people to work with. We have procedures. We have some terrific computer systems that we, you know, tech systems that the country does need, that we all need. It's just, should the FBI be there doing it anymore? So we should break up the FBI into different components Get rid of some of them all together and the people who run them. Just well, I do believe we need a domestic division like the FBI. I just don't sure that we need any well, this part is of this quick, FBI. This is just a quick thing. This is, yeah, this I, is the reason I, for what I'm saying. My if, person, if, yeah, my opinion is if you break up the FBI in little divisions, separate them, yeah. they're still going to work together because the FBI, CIA, they all work together. Not just rip, take out the seventh floor, fire them all, keep a couple good ones, and rebuild it. And that's my opinion. Well, it's actually more than the seventh floor now. It's it's sixty new management positions that they have there. But you're right; they all need to be cut out. But you do need people like who's your expertise in fingerprints or, or in 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 ballistics tests AI. or whatever. Yeah, need, yeah, yeah. Well, but you, you need the individuals who have that. You you need you can't let it rely on AI because the AI is even more untrustworthy than people. Yeah, the AI Especially is a dangerous. That's a whole nother discussion. But no, I agree. We need the experts. It's not that I don't think we need a, a group like the CIA. I just think that we no. need a group that has oversight, accountability, and consequences because there's supposed to be a limitation, right? Our, yeah, but that our, goes with Congress, and Congress hasn't been doing its job no matter yeah. which part of it. Yeah, but, you know, the supreme law of the land is called the supreme law of the land for a reason, right, George? Yeah, so, but the other thing with the FBI, like government jobs, is they're protected. Like, to, for them to get fired or. It's such a process, it's almost difficult, and then they end up fighting and getting their pay anyway. No, there should be consequences. You lose your pension, you lose all this. You can be fired if you're, you're, if you're doing bad at your job or not doing what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. I mean, Steve Gray, Steve Gray has position. told us all the stories about how difficult it is to get rid of somebody that sucks, which not shouldn't be the case, the right? Just abolish the position. Say these positions no longer exist. They're yeah. not being fired. It's just their, their positions are eliminated. They're no longer needed. Don't transfer them someplace else. Just get rid of them. And then put there are a lot of bathrooms around Washington, D.C. that we could have them cleaning those bathrooms if they wanted to maintain a government position. How about yeah. they just go clean the bathrooms and get mo? I'm yeah, good with that. Yeah. Well, here's yeah, the I, thing with it, that every, everybody, everybody listening to the show has a part. And we don't think of it when we vote mm. for sheriffs. 
I agree, the constitutional sheriff. sheriff. Yeah, but we don't think of it when we vote. Most people don't even know what sheriffs really do. But yeah. it's, the, it's the democratically elected chief law enforcement officer of usually the county. So yep. We all vote for sheriff. Have you ever had a debate with your sheriff candidates or asked them what they feel about these issues? Right. We don't no. do that. So what if no. we, this year each one of us goes to the local sheriff and say, hey, what are you doing to prevent the federal authorities from coming in here and abusing us? Now, the sheriff's job is to prevent central government from coming in and abusing at the local level because the FBI doesn't have many years at the local level. They need the yeah. local cops, state police, and the sheriffs to, to let them know who's who, let them know the lay of the land, even mm -hmm. work with them and even run the raids for them because the Bureau doesn't have all that personnel. The FBI agents cannot come in and enforce state laws unless they're deputized by the sheriffs. So just tell the sheriffs, don't do this anymore. The sheriffs don't have to deputize. Yeah. They can't at the FBI, but they can say, you know what, I'm not going to help you. You're, you're abusing... You're, you're abusing the people in my Sheriff opinion. Mack, the head of the Constitutional Sheriffs, is friends with uh, uh, Sam Bushman. You know, obviously they work together. Sam Bushman is the CEO of the Constitutional Sheriffs. And it's interesting how many of the sheriffs don't really understand the true level of their power. But, it, that, it, you know, it starts with the governors, right? At the end of the day, these federal agencies shouldn't be able to operate like they do within the states because the 17 subject matters in the Constitution are very specific. They're very defined. But they use the Commerce Clause to create that nexus, right? That's that far-reaching tool that everything is in commerce, which, in yeah. fact, it isn't. We know that it's Fort Stocks, Arsenal's 200-mile district of Columbia. That it has to be a, an exact federal zone if it's not uh, crimes against an ambassador, crimes against the coin of the United States, not a fiat currency. You start getting into the subject matter of the cases, and that's even a, a more complicated you know, show that we could do. But the, that, that's what they've done, right? They've, they've created Admiralty Maritime to encroach. And that's that excessive abuse beyond the scope. You know, these are supposed to be sovereign republics. That's what the founders wanted. Everybody wants to call it a democracy, but these are constitutional republics at, that, that have a democratic system of ideals. It's, it's, so it's, it's, it's a pretty complicated thing, but, most, but you're right. The sheriffs are the potential to get to it. All right, so listen, guys, uh, obviously, uh, big intel. I think it's a big book with big information, and I really think you should go to Amazon and pick one up. Where can they find you, Dr. Waller? How can they just see what you're doing, find out what you're up to, read some of your articles you're doing for some of the big uh, think tanks? Sure. Well, first, you can also get big intel at Costco, which is really cool because I don't think they've had titles by people like us carried at Costco anymore. So That's I'd like great. To see that be a success and have, have them carry more titles. I saw Kyle Serafin. He bought his copy at Costco, I think I saw. <laughs> he sent me a picture, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so I'm on Twitter, at J. Michael Waller, and my organization, Center for Security Policy, is on at securefreedom.org or at securefreedom. And uh, right now I'm not writing any articles. I'm just working this book, and then I'm getting so many people coming out of the woodwork with more information. Looks like there's going to be a second book. Big Intel Part 2. So that's the, maybe that is the new book. I don't know if it'll be called Big Intel Part 2. I threw that out there. I have no idea what I'm talking about. Uh, George, yes. what do you got? Anything out of the chat we need to share with him before we take ourselves to the end? Um, Dan Drummer says hello. The time is near. <laughs> no, what? no, they're going. They're a little. It's Friday night. They're a little off the off the whackers tonight. I don't know. Yeah, they're probably tipping back. Okay, by the way, so Doctor Waller, our, my personal assistant's comments all got removed from um, the chat. I'm gonna have to because he's out of control. No, oh. I don't know. I'm gonna have to kick somebody's ass. 
So our our uh, listeners and subscribers have self anointed themselves the big MIG mafia. That was not intentional. They chose that uh, because of the extra vowels in our names and our our New York and New Jersey heritage here. <laughs> so, yeah. So now use are a friend of ours. <laughs> Uh, George likes to keep people <laughs> longer than he's supposed to. He always wants to keep the uh, the guests on for as long as he can. Uh, this time, I think we've, we've we've done a good job of not letting that happen. George, uh, I appreciate it. So listen, if you guys like the show, if you like what Dr. Waller had to say, please share, take short-form content, use it wherever you like. Have your friends and family take a look, because I do believe you better pay attention to what's going on in D.C. If you haven't paid attention, you're making a big mistake, because your family, your grandkids, your children are at risk. This is not the country you think it is right now. We want to get it back on track. Uh, G. Ballantine on X, Lance Miliacho, The Big Mig Show on X. On every other platform is George Ballantine, Lance Miliacho, and The Big Mig. Uh, you can find us on, obviously, True Social, Gab, Getter, Link, Diane, Cloud Hub, Tumblr. Don't forget to find Rich Esparza on uh, Getter and, of course, on uh, True Social. If you aren't already subscribed to us, if you can afford to subscribe to us, please do. Paid subscriptions go to run the show. If you can make any Rumble Rant tips here on Locals or otherwise, we always appreciate the support. We're going to be doing a give, send, go for an event we want to go to. We'll be putting that up shortly. We just had to make, find out the rules about the event because it's a private event. We aren't supposed to disclose part of it. So we had to change a little bit. We're going to be putting that up here tonight. Um, and also, I just want to say this, if you can give us a thumbs up, comment, or share, that helps us on Rumble, it helps us on all the platforms, and of course, always on uh, X, anything else. George, anything else you'd like to throw in there at the end, buddy? Um, Siberian Kitten Show, in the meow, she's got something with dads, I don't know, it's weird, hold on, let me look. Yeah, in the meow, Siberian Kitten is one of our mods. We always appreciate her. She's got a new show on Rumble. So you do want to watch oh. it. A lot of you guys know him from the gaming community, her and her husband. It's tomorrow, Master. Call, it's called Calls with Dad tomorrow. Some special show with Dad from True Social. So okay. you don't want to miss that. Also, her shirt for Big Mix shirts and all the other um, tees is SK. I think graphics.com. Yeah. SK graphics. That's right. Dot com. Yeah. Head over there because she's also got a new battery of shirts and designs she's done for the Big Mig Show. You want to check those out. That's it, man. We really appreciate you guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing. It means a lot to us. Uh, keep up the good work. Tip of the spear, guys. Keep at it. We need to fight to win this country back. Love you all. God bless America. Have a good weekend. for your toughest jobs or your most rugged excursions. Introducing Sea of Mud Apparel, your go-to destination for clothing that embodies the relentless spirit of rural America. We were blue collar before it was cool to say you work for a living. Let your clothes speak for you. Embrace quality, comfort, and the American way. Shop now at seaofmud.com. Patriots, listen up. It's time to wake up and smell the freedom. Beard Vet Coffee is here to fuel your American spirit. This isn't just coffee. It's a battle cry in a cup. 
a declaration of love for the land of the free and the home of the brave. Crafted by the hands of those who've walked the walk, talked the talk, and, yeah, grown the damn beard. Vet-founded, vet-focused, and beard-operated. This is coffee with a mission, a purpose, and a testament to the unyielding American spirit. It's a tribute to the tireless resolve that courses through the veins of our great nation. This is the taste of victory, the flavor of freedom, the coffee that stands as firm as our belief in America's destiny to lead and never to kneel. Beard Vet Coffee is more than a brand. It's a legacy steeped in the principles that make America great. It's for those who stand with pride under the stars and stripes, who uphold the values that light the torch of liberty for the world to see. So, are you ready to supercharge your day the American way? Beard Vet Coffee is not just a choice. It's a declaration of independence from mediocre mornings. Bold, brave, unbound, brewed for the American patriot. Beard Vet Coffee, make your mornings great again. I'm excited to announce that we're having our biggest Christmas sale ever. You get our brand new six-piece My Towels for only $29.98, or rejuvenate your bed with a MyPillow mattress topper as low as $99.99. Or how about MyPillow bed sheets for as low as $24.98? There's something for everyone. Duvets, quilts, down comforters, body pillows, bolster pillows, and so much more. Well, I know my pillow products make for the perfect Christmas gifts, so I'm going to extend my money-back guarantee until March 1st, 2024. So go to MyPillow.com now or call the number on your screen. Use your promo code to get huge discounts on all my pillow products. For example, you get our six-piece towels for only $29.98 or get your very own MyPillow bed sheets for as low as $24.98. It's our biggest Christmas sale ever. Get all your shopping done now while quantities last. Welcome to the next generation of warfare, psychological warfare. In modern conflict, the mind is a potent weapon. Discover General Michael T. Flynn's groundbreaking guide, The Citizen's Guide to Fifth Generation Warfare. Unlock tactics, strategies, and the mindset to navigate this cognitive battlefield that we all find ourselves in. Equip yourself against manipulation and emerge unscathed. Unleash your potential. Order now.